Nobody likes looking foolish. This is why we get embarrassed when we fall down the stairs or we trip. Door says push and we pull instead and people notice. You know, it, nobody likes that feeling. And, and I think that the gym is so complex. Not only are the apparatus themselves intimidating in their, their size and in their weight and in their function, but now you're surrounded by what most people perceive to be better looking or fitter people than them. And so now you have that, that the problem of comparison. That is Michael Parker, trainer, coach, and owner of the new online program called Forge PT. In this episode, Michael talks fitness, behavior change, and tips on avoiding holiday heft. Are you ready? Let's go. does vibe mean to you? To us, a positive vibe means feeling good. And at Vibe Solano, it's about a vibrant, healthy Solano County. It's about overall wellness and vitality. It's about feeling well enough physically and emotionally to enjoy our lives to the fullest as active residents. Join the effort to improve the health and wellness of our community. Discover fun events, fitness activities, and healthy things to do. Find us online at vibesolano.com. Get involved for a vibrant, healthy Solano today. Are you ready? You are now listening to the Solano Fit Podcast, featuring fitness to change your life and inspiration to live your best. Here's your host, O. Johnson. He is a certified trainer with the National Academy of Sports Medicine, as well as a member of the National Exercise and Sports Trainers Association. He's been a trainer for over 15 years, a CEO of not one but two fitness companies. He is a college instructor and now the founder and owner of the very successful online fitness and nutrition coaching program called Forge PT. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, oh, thanks so much for having me. So Michael, you started from the bottom and now you're here. With all the success you've had, why take the program online? You know, it's considering this broad aspects of my experience in the fitness world, having been a trainer and a gym manager, the executive and consultant, and then being a college instructor, like you mentioned, for advanced uh, fitness and nutrition sciences, I wanted to distill my experiences. I wanted to get them to their most potent and valuable components. Mm -hmm. I love being a personal trainer and I love being a college teacher, but I also like having flexibility and having my time. Right. So how do how do I find that? Right. So the Forge model was developed to allow me to serve my clients. Now they're in 12 countries. Uh, I'm adding value at a, a level that I could never do as a live trainer, maybe even as a CEO. Wow. Uh, I'm still doing uh, education. I educate my clients um, and I feel as if I'm a contributed to their lives and I'm helping change their lives for the better. And I've earned back a lot of my time. Uh, plus I can coach my clients from anywhere. I can be anywhere in the world. You know, I could be in another state or another city and um, nothing stops on my end. You know, my clients still get the same quality of service because they go with me and I go with them. It's great. Seems like a win-win. I think so. And they think so. You know, my average client retention is well over nine months, which is unheard of online. That's awesome, man. So it sounds like you're not just forging a new future for individuals, fitness goals, but you're forging a new level of quality online. I love the, that you use the word forge. And, and I really, man, I struggled. I struggled trying to find the right vernacular. What, what describes the, the concept of forge? And man, I went everywhere. I went everywhere with this. And uh, it came down to um, not wanting to be in that industry pipeline of stereotype. That was really important for me. And I thought, well, what is the, what is the premise of this company, this service? And it's about, it's about remaking yourself every day. 
But you know what really makes uh, something remarkable like Damascus steel or like, you know, Japanese samurai sword, which is always fun in fantasy. Right. When you think about it, it's forged. It's forged fire. And uh, sometimes you just got to remake yourself, right? You, if you take a look in the mirror, you take a look at what either your, your life, uh, in, whether it's your behavior, whether it's your fitness, whether it's the way you perceive or the way you react, whatever it may be, you have the power to change. And so reforge yourself. Don't be afraid to, to, to uh, fire up the forge and hammer out a new you. You just remake yourself. And that's the kind of the, been the tagline, remake your fitness. Great job picking that name. So let me ask you this, though. When you first started in fitness, things were different. We've gone through just in the industry and just in the public knowledge about fitness, I'd say just a revolution in terms of how we communicate and what we share. And obviously, I think that an online program as productive as yours is evidence of that. Talk to me quickly just about how there are so many options online right now. Every other Instagram personality is trying to push something, sell something. How does Forge differentiate from all of the noise out there? The reality is that fitness in general is now a commodity, mm. right? Mm -hmm. The industry absolutely cannibalized itself long before the emergence of the social media so-called influencers and these so-called trainers or experts hawking their templates and their diet pills or their nutrition dogma. So we, we were already on the path of self-destruction as an industry. And we could even do a whole nother podcast on that topic. But to stick on this theme, the commoditization of fitness has had some very undesirable effects in the industry. And in the perception of the public, as it relates to reasonable expectation for results or what you will pay for those results. And the social media influencers have not helped that at all. Um, so here's the thing. When you take a look at this whole segment in social media and the fitness industry is basically imploded in on itself and how that coupled with Americans need for instant gratification, we've kind of created this cycle of fitness failure. Hmm. The progress of commodity has now led to this social media personality problem. I really don't put much time or attention on social media as of now. And I've not made any significant attempts to grow my following at all. Wow. Crazy, right? But yet you've been this successful and attracted clients from 12 countries? 12 countries. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. In today's hyper virtual social environments, it's unreal. I, I only care about these Instagram and YouTube trainers because they're, they're perpetuating fitness failure and they're, they're literally sharks in the water trying to get their peace. Gotcha. And I don't like that. But the reason that I don't fret over these social media trainers in their abundance as competition is the same exact reason that a high-end steakhouse is not concerned with McDonald's. <laughs> well, meat lovers everywhere will understand that. Yeah. And, and, or, or insert your favorite vegan house here. You, know, it's, <laughs> you, you take your boutique. They don't care about McDonald's. Does McDonald's impact them? Maybe. The models are completely different. It's the experience, the service, and the value that a client enjoys when they work with me. It's about that personal touch. And social media trainers, they need volume, right? right. Mostly because of their price point. And they're concerned about their influence and their ego or how popular they are, how many people they can get to buy their workout template for 50 bucks. It's all a numbers game. It's so interesting with, with the technology and everything that's so robust now. And, you know, online can get kind of a bad rap, you know, and what I yeah. mean by that is sometimes it's used as the scapegoat for why we don't connect. And yet it is a tool, just like the old school telephone was a tool. It's a tool that you can use to appropriately and personally connect. How do you provide that 
personal touch? Uh, so basically, the, the way that it works is, is there's four primary programs that I provide, and each program is differentiated by the amount of connectivity through video chats. Uh, clients can either see me once a month, they can see me once every other week, they can see me every single week. Uh, and what we do is we basically, they book their appointments, and then uh, I set aside that half hour, and I individually meet with them every week, or every other week, or every month. And we talk about things exclusive to them. The, and, and that's the key there too. It's not just the fact that they're able to talk to me and that they can start to actually have a relationship and get the coaching. Because remember, this is way more than just online fitness, personal training. This is uh, behavior coaching. Uh, I'm a, a certified behavior coach. And it's about creating long-term behavior change that allows for sustainability of all the other facets of their life as it relates to fitness, right? Keeping it part of their normal life in a transparent way. Right, right. And so um, that means that their workout programs have to be unique. So I'll have a client who come to me and they say, hey, look, I don't want to go to a gym. Hmm. I need to be able to work out at home and I, I'm willing to make X amount investment or not make X amount investment in equipment. No problem. I can create a structured program based on their current condition and goal for, with body weight training or high intensity interval training, all delivered through a, a mobile app, wow. right? So there's a mobile app involved in this. So I'm with them everywhere. They can message me, all clients, doesn't matter what level they are, can instantly message me. And I respond within 12 hours, usually less. Um, and on the other end of the scale, right? Let's say I have somebody who's training for a marathon, right? I can create a full on marathon training program for them, all delivered through a mobile app and then everything in between. So it's really highly customized. It's based on that client's condition, their goal, their needs. And sometimes, frankly, it's their attitude too, you know? You know, how many different levels are you dealing with? I mean, are, are, you, are you getting a lot of beginners? Are you getting people who are looking for, you know, increased levels and increased intensities? You know, the super soul fit folks? I mean, where are your clients coming both psychographically and just fitness knowledge wise? Yeah, that's a really good question because it's changed. And the interesting thing is at first, they typically were women and men who had very little exercise experience. They didn't know how to structure programs. They weren't sure... What, you know, how many days a week should they be working out? What workouts should they be doing? How often should they change it? You know, all of those questions. But now that same group, I'm getting uh, people who are heavily experienced to people who've never worked out a day in their life. I have some clients who've never, ever stepped foot in the gym in their entire life and they're in their 40s. Yeah. And again, it solves a, a pain problem for them. There, uh, I'll give you an example. I have maybe even two dozen clients in this category where they are um, intimidated by the gym, the prospect of fitness in general. Uh, they feel that, that, that um, there is going to be some kind of emotional or um, sociological uh, pain but from walking into a gym, and so they would prefer not to do that. Uh, and, and most of them, over time, end up joining gyms after they've worked with me long enough because their confidence is there. Right. They know what to do. They walk in like they, they own it. They're like, I know what I'm doing. And that's, and that's been exciting to see. And that was an un unexpected but welcome. I'm, I'm, I love that. I love seeing people who were originally like, oh, gosh, you know, I really don't, don't want to lift weights because I'm scared. And then, but to be able to teach them how to do that, even virtually. Because a lot of my clients will send me videos of their workouts to have me correct their form, oh, wow. overcoming that problem, right? Of not being there to actually address how they're moving. And, I, and I, that's a service I do for all my clients. If they want to send me a video, they may. And I will review it with them and show them, hey, look, you know, you want to drive through your heels when you're doing that back squat, if they're even at that level. But, you know, and the, and the list goes on of all the little nuances that can be corrected because I know who these people are and we have that connectivity. Let's talk a little bit about the gym because, you know, we all know we need it. 
And yet there's a culture that surrounds, you know, specifically a culture around food. Um, and you mentioned earlier just about the, the, the gratification that we seek so instantly that kind of creates this perfect tornado for, mm. you know, the diabetes, the, I say, <laughs> I say diabetes, but well, you know what I mean? The diabetes and the obesity epidemics that's running rampant throughout the nation. What is it about the, the gym culture that frightens people, that intimidates people from entering in the first place? Gym intimidation, right? It is a real thing. In fact, I, I wrote an article a while back on this subject, and it's a, a, a common topic with all my clients. And I think that there's a few things. The, the first is nobody likes looking foolish. This is why we get embarrassed when we fall down the stairs or we trip. Door says push and we pull instead. And people notice, you know, it, nobody likes that feeling. And, and I think that the gym is so, it, we, the media has made it seem so simple. But once you get in there, you realize that it is extremely complex. Not only are the apparatus themselves intimidating in their, their size and in their weight and in their function, right. but now you're surrounded by what most people perceive to be better looking or fitter people than them. And so now you have that, that the problem of comparison. And so when you, when you take these things, these, those three components, judgment, whether it's real or perceived, and you take a uh, lack of confidence from environment, which would mean the weight or the bulk of equipment or the functionality of, of an apparatus. Sure. And then you take the, um, the feelings of inadequacy or that you don't compare or you can't compete. That's a recipe for just wanting to stay home. Definitely. Right. Nobody likes to be bullied, even if the bullying is only by their self-perception. You know, you can bully yourself. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> you know, that might be another podcast in and of itself. Don't bully yourself. Yeah, people bully themselves all the time. I always, I find myself constantly talking about positive internal conversations. When we speak in our mind, we are speaking. Words hurt. Words actually do matter. And we have, you know, they say, you know, the pin is mightier than the sword. Well, that's true. But in the biblical sense, even um, that was referenced that the tongue is, is sharper than any sword. Right. So when we look at the culture that surrounds gyms in general and the way that they market, uh, and in general, the types of people that you notice at the gym, they fit a stereotype. Right. And a lot of people actually aren't that stereotype. Most of us folks, we're, uh, we're, we're trying to get over a, a condition that we've created for ourselves through either obesity or being over, over fat, but not necessarily obese. We have uh, medical conditions that are the byproduct of an unhealthy lifestyle. And so now we're going into this environment where we think that everybody is a bodybuilder or a fitness model. And that's not really the truth. It's the way that, that our culture markets. You know what? I was just going to mention that too. Just the media and the market play is such an important factor. Right. One of the biggest challenges is feeling like that they're supposed to fit into some kind of cultural uh, mold. And one side of the responsibility falls on gyms, right, on, on, in the fitness industry and the way that we've marketed. Um, the, the culture that gyms can create um, as, a, as an operation, independent of media, but it, it, what is that, that company's ethos and how do they treat their clients can dictate that. So it's a very broad topic. Uh, on the other hand, you have th these folks who want to get in shape. For them, talking about that fear it is the fear of failure because you got to remember that a lot of people have already tried, 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 and failed, right? We know the yo-yo diets. We know people have joined gyms and then they don't go and then they quit or they, you know, they do it for a little while and maybe they buy an infomercial product and boy, that was really another good mistake. And so they start to accumulate failure. 
And so over time, they actually start to get a little disenchanted with the whole process. And then before you know it, not only do they feel like they have to fit into some kind of culture, but then they just feel like it's not even going to work anyway. So why even bother? Yeah. There's so much disenchantment out there. There's so much failure out there. How does someone re-enchant themselves? How do they get back on the horse, so to speak? You actually have to make the decision to be successful. You, you have to put aside your excuses. And this is really hard. It's hard to do, man. It's hard to, um, to take a look at all the failure or take a look at your current condition and then look at it as insurmountable. You're standing so close to the hill, you think it's a mountain. But if you just took a couple steps back and made the decision to get a good running head start and not stop and get that good momentum going up, you'll, you'll crest that hill. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you find once you get to the top and your view and your perspective has changed that it wasn't so bad after all. And maybe you see new hills that you want to conquer. Maybe that new hill is a marathon. Maybe that new hill is a, a, an endurance race. Maybe that's, a, you know, getting in the, um, uh, some kind of fitness lifestyle or fitness activity endeavor that is going to be a challenge to you. You know, so, so it's all about that upward momentum. But if you don't make the decision to do it, if you don't put aside petty excuses, you're never going to be successful. So whenever somebody says, oh, I just, I don't know if I could do it. I say, oh, so you mean you chose not to do it? Hmm. Because this isn't, this has nothing to do with you can or can't, right? right? Remember when you're growing up, you ask your mom, mom, can I go outside? Yes, you can, but (laughs) may you, (laughs) right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that's uh, for for the listeners. um, Just take a deep breath step back, learn to love yourself. And who cares about your history? Your history is your history. You can't do anything about it now except for make change. And if you decide not to do that, that's on you. I heard a quote recently, and you know how cliches go. Uh, Success is not built on success. Rather, it's built on failure and sometimes catastrophe. And just this idea that sometimes when it hurts enough, not enough to destroy you, but enough to say, you know what? This is my rock bottom. I'm not going to let this happen again. I'm not going to let myself feel like this again. Has there ever been a time in your life, Michael? I mean, you're a fit guy. You've, you've been in the industry for 15 plus years. You've seen it all. You know, so many people want to know, well, what do you know about losing weight? What do you know about getting back in shape? Has there ever been a time for you, Michael, where you personally felt, gosh, I really got to get back on the horse and this is hard? Oh, yeah. Yeah, let me, I'll tell you a really brief story. I think, I think that this actually has a little bit of value and it's telling. But, but the one thing that I wanted to start with is that, um, that fitness is not linear, mm. right? That's a myth. It's a myth. And when you look at these perfect examples, social media folks, right? Their Instagrams and their YouTubes and their Facebooks, you are not seeing the whole picture. Right. You're only seeing what they want you to see. You're, it's an illusion. Mm-hmm. Nobody's that happy. not all the time, not perpetually, right? There's always more behind the scenes. And I never pretend ever with my clients that I'm uh, linearly perfect and constantly progressing in fitness. So uh, there's been two times specifically in my life that I've struggled with fitness. Uh, Years ago, uh, way, way back, uh, I was a vice president of operations for a fitness company. And I got sucked into the doing corporate stuff and kind of lost track of my roots of being a trainer in, 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 the, in the fitness world and kind of uh, allowed myself to slip a little bit. I wasn't exercising as much as I should have. Uh, I wasn't doing some of the things that I know I should uh, regarding my nutrition. I got a little lax and I thought it's okay. I'm just going to take a break. 
that break added, um, I got up to 219 pounds. <laughs> Whoa. This is uh, approximately 2007, 219 pounds from 165 pounds. And I got to a point, uh, I was doing some consulting work and I, I met a brilliant leader in the fitness industry and uh, her and I became pretty good friends. And um, she's, she's pretty hardcore, former Marine. Um, she runs a couple gyms. And um, anyway, uh, she says to me one day, she's like, Hey, so, um, you know, you're, you're into fitness and all that stuff. Have, uh, have you ever thought about, um, your own personal fitness? Oops. <laughs> <laughs> and she said it in a really nice way. Right. And, and I say that verbatim. I certainly paraphrase that. And that, I mean, she would, she'll probably remind me what she said exactly. And then she said, why don't we do, um, a mud race together? It's 10 miles. It's got like 22 obstacles. It's in five months. Why don't we just do it together? And both of us will focus on our fitness. Here I am chastened, <laughs> feeling, feeling pretty embarrassed that that got pointed out to me. Of course, I knew. I, I knew what was in the mirror, and I knew that I, I lost my endurance. And, and, I, and I resolved to do that. And, and I got back down from 219 pounds down to about 158 of just lean, pure muscle. I'm an ectomorph, so it's really hard for me to maintain muscle. But boy, I got lean. And then, um, and, and so that was good. And, and I maintained that for many, many years. Then I broke my wrist. Oh. I broke my wrist in three places doing what I love to do. I was outdoors, of course, and I you know, fell down an icy ravine on uh, solid packed ice. And um, you know, my wrist didn't stand up as well as the rest of me, but at least I didn't completely break. And, uh, and I was in a cast and, uh, for, for about eight and a half weeks. And uh, after that, I, I, I went from curling you know, 35, 40 pounds down to where I could barely move eight pounds. Wow. Man, I, I just I, I hit the pause button. It took me forever um, to get back into the to the groove of things. It's so important that people hear that life is the occurrence of setbacks, and sometimes it's super important to pause just to get back to square one. Sometimes a setback can be positive. Yes, or uh, because this just happened. A lot of my clients she's been gone for four days on a pretty big vacation for her. She's very excited. And uh, she just messaged me yesterday and she says to me, I'm so demotivated right now. I got back, I was only out for four days and I lost strength. She's like her workout, which is built for 60 minutes, took her 75 minutes. She's like, I wasn't lifting as heavy. I just wasn't into it. And I felt so, I felt so crappy. And I told her yesterday, I said, well, I said, uh, you didn't lose anything. I think you're going to be very pleasantly surprised that if you continue tomorrow and then eat the day after that and the day after that that within four or five days, you're going to be back to where you were. Message me every single day when you're done with your workout. And I guarantee you it's going to happen. She just messaged me her. She just did a workout. But, <laughs> wow. you know, it, it, and, there, and then there's another thing, nutrition, food. If you have a bad weekend, so what? That doesn't mean that it's like, well, you know, I just, I gave it all up, you know, one weekend and now everything's ruined. That's, that's a defeatist mentality. And that, that's actually, that's systemic, right? That's something that, that's something far deeper than just, really thinking that you just had a bad weekend and now all of a sudden your fitness is blown. We try and find the path of least resistance and working out is hard and managing our nutrition is hard. Sometimes we unintentionally seek the excuse that gives us a reprieve, but we every time regret it. Every a hundred percent of the time, if you make the decision to just say, ah, oh, whatever, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And I'm just, I'm not going to track my food and I'm going to miss my workouts. Cause I just, I just feel like I earned it. Right. Or whatever it is. You always regret it 100%. And I tell people, you got to look ahead into the future two weeks. Two weeks from now, and you look back over the last two weeks, are you going to be proud of yourself or disappointed? Who are you? And the other thing, a mantra in Forge, with all my clients here, 
you fall seven times, you stand up eight. There you go. And that is so important. You have to proceed as if success were inevitable. It's going to happen. That's right. All a mental game, right? All a mental game. You have to resolve to pay the price to succeed. And if you do, and you're objective about your return on your investment of time and energy and sometimes even money, and you're realistic about the expectation for those results, and you don't compare yourself to other people, you compare yourself to you and where you were two weeks ago, and then the two weeks before that, then that is what creates long-term momentum and fitness, and you will be successful once you decide to be successful. That's wonderful. Can you talk a little bit about the mind-body connection and how important it is for people to change their mind and their perspectives as well as their, their body, their muscle, and their sinew? I would say that the very first thing that somebody has to do other than what we just talked about is they have to make the decision is they have to be willing to change their habits. That's, that is the linchpin to this whole thing, the keystone, if you will. If you don't change the behaviors that got you to the situation you're in now, then the likelihood of relapse is very, very high. And I mean, anecdotally, we could say it's a hundred percent. Right. Think about it. Like if you think about it in terms of just our society and the yo-yos and the fads and the jumping from one flitting fad to the next, or, you know, if you're not doing keto this week, you're doing paleo the next week, and then you're a vegan. Right. right? <laughs> and, and nutrition's a whole nother topic, you know, cause it's more of a religion than a science nowadays. But mm -hmm. the, the thing that's interesting about fitness in general is that we focus so much on the superficial aspects of fitness, on the aesthetic. And the aesthetic is simply the byproduct of a series of behaviors and internal changes, both mentally and physically, that yield a particular uh, composition or physiological result, right? And that changes over time, and it changes on the variables. It changes on how you apply stress to your body, right? A marathon runner looks like and performs like a marathon runner. A sprinter looks like and performs like a sprinter, but they both run. Right. If you're a sprinter and you train like a marathon runner, well, what are you? A marathon runner, <laughs> no longer a sprinter. Right. The, the acute variables, the, the stressors that you put on your body and the way it adapts. And the thing is, is that that's all programming, right? And that's all we focus on. It's every, everything you hear now is, oh, I got this cool program or this cool workout. All of that stuff is great. And it's all a resource. But if you don't change the root cause, which is poor choices, bad behaviors, then really nothing's going to change. It will be temporarily suspended. Right. So the goal is this, is that you want to be able to identify cues or triggers, things that kind of set you off on the, the behaviors that are undesirable that yield to some, the condition that you're in. Then you have to find a way to replace that behavior once you identify what the cue is with a new positive behavior that's sustainable. It can't be something crazy. And then you have to reinforce it. This means, and this is why people don't necessarily uh, don't see a lot of success doing this. This means you actually have to be mentally proactive. You can't just literally live or exist. You have to take a active participating role in your life. <laughs> you know, a lot of people, we, we like, what do we like to do? We like to binge on Netflix. Why? Because we get instant gratification and we don't have to do a dang thing. <laughs> right. Right. Those things play on their own now. The next episode comes up in like 10 seconds. Yeah. I mean, just go. I mean, Netflix is the point now where they have to make sure that they don't ruin your binge by asking if you're still watching. Right. You got to look at that. So the, the bottom line there is 
that if you are, if you can change the behaviors and you can change your environment, and when I'm talking about environment, I'm not talking about social environment. I'm talking about your fitness and nutrition environment, the mm-hmm. things that you choose to have around you. You got you have your your ho hos in the house. It's pretty likely you're going to eat them when a trigger comes along. And, and and you can insert anything into that, right? It could be anything. There could be a cue, an external cue or an internally manifested cue that leads to a negative behavior. Once you identify what those are, you start to learn to override them. The sad part is a lot of behavior research is showing the the original habit doesn't ever actually leave. It looms in the Very back true. forever. Yeah. It's just a new habit goes in front of it and is proactively. And when I say proactive means that it, you're actively engaged in your psyche, uh, you have to be able to say, oh gosh, I just got triggered on that. You know, And so now you have to be able to say, now this is where character comes in, right? And I want to be really clear about that. Let me define that a little bit better because the fitness industry sometimes gets criticized for this in their marketing because they say, oh, it's a character discipline problem. That right. I absolutely 100% disagree with that. If you are figuring out your behavioral problems, your habit problems, and you're proactively working on them, And again, those aren't linear, but if you're proactively working on your behavior issues and you're applying discipline and character, then that's great. But I don't believe that discipline or character is, uh, can be applied to programming because you never address the root cause. Mm -hmm, So the fitness industry is wrong for using that kind of, um, I guess you could say language to try and guilt people into working out because guilt has never been a successful motivator. Right. Both habits can exist. Uh, because there are neural pathways that are connected to these habits. Correct. So it's almost as if prior to training, prior to this habit reformation, that you're really talking about awareness. And once you're aware now of the habit and you're aware of the solution and you begin to build this stronger neural pathway, well, now you can make a real fair decision as opposed to just functioning on autopilot half the time. And autopilot might mean falling into the trap or, or the cue that prompts you to eat this certain thing at this particular time. Yes, that is true empowerment. When you are addressing a behavior issue with yourself, that is very empowering. Come walk or run at the SoFit City 5K 10K, presented by Kaiser Permanente. Help us build healthier and happier cities. Whether fast or slow, crossing the finish line is what matters most. Register today at SoFitCity.com. SoFit City, we run this town. Let's talk three tips or any tips that you would advise someone trying to start now. We're coming up on holidays that are just rife with temptation. Is there anything that you could give our listeners that might help them if they're thinking about starting before the end of the year? To navigate the holiday season? Sure. Before I do that, let me explain something. You don't start Monday. Don't start next month. Don't start in January. Start today. This is a huge mistake that we make as a society oh, you know, boy, I'm sure going to get on this diet plan. I'm going to get on this fitness plan on Monday, <laughs> right? Oh, you know what? Oh, gosh, I, I, I'm going to be going out this weekend with my friends this Friday night. And it's, I know it's going to be crazy because we get crazy. Uh, and then Saturday, I'm going to be hungover. So I'll start Monday. No, start right now. Start right now. There's no time like the present. Yep. Um, but let me give you the five tips. Number one, for every party or event that you're going to, set a calorie limit. In advance, say, okay, I'm going, I'm partying, I'm having a good time. I'm going to be having some eggnog. I'm going to be eating a big old pile of mashed potatoes. Whatever it is that, that you enjoy, set a goal and a limit. 
so that that way you are in control. That's a very important thing to do. Trust me, you feel so much better doing that. Uh, the second tip, choose only your favorite foods if you're going to have grandma's particular dish that you love and it's so nostalgic that you're going to have it, but you know it's probably stopping your heart as you're eating it. <laughs> you know, we all have some holiday dish that we're drawn to. Make room for it. Don't obsess over it. There's a difference between the obsession and discipline. And so choose things that you like and just omit the things that are just kind of like you're eating it just because you're, you're in the season. Third one is keep active. Keep active. It will pay you dividends. If you can just keep your, your energy balance, it, at least on the higher end through the holiday season, because it makes whatever endeavor you have for your fitness and nutrition come the end of that season a lot easier to, to segue into. Uh, the fourth tip is manage your alcohol consumption. Mm. What people don't realize is that alcohol has seven calories per gram independently of anything else that you put in it. So if you're eating or drinking eggnogs, or if you're drinking spiced rums, or if you're drinking really thick, heavy chocolate mar martinis, or even things like the typical stuff, margaritas and punches and all that stuff, you have to remember that the alcohol is calories in addition to the other things, the other sugars and carbohydrates, uh, not to say the carbs are bad, but the type of carbohydrate can be bad. And when you add them all together, it can make for one calorically dense drink. And, and that may not be in line with what you're trying to accomplish. So I typically go for um, the, the cleaner alcoholic drinks. If I'm going to drink during the season, I love red wine a lot. Uh, champagne is great in the season. But if you just manage your alcohol consumption, it play a big role. And the mm. final one, is commit to a lifelong wellness plan that doesn't cycle you through these crazy ebbs and flows of season. If you can plan ahead of time for your season and have it as part of your wellness plan, then it makes it a lot easier to navigate this without feeling like you're depriving yourself or you're in that cycle of kind of just up and down and you gain an eight, nine, 10 pounds over the season, then all of a sudden your new year's resolution is to lose the original 15, right. but now it's trying to lose the additional 25 to 30 pounds cumulatively that you just added. Potentially it's this idea that if you keep fitness and wellness and taking care of yourself, just hovering over everything a little bit, that it's not, oh, if I'm not going breakneck speed with my fitness, then now it's time to just gorge and indulge on cake and all the goodies, but that it's always there a little bit in the effort of creating a sustainable lifestyle. Yes, that is totally right. And constantly working to be the best version of yourself despite the season, you know? And so, so maybe you take a, a minor hiatus uh, during a particular part of, of, of the year, right? Some people, it's when they vacation in the summer. Um, most of my clients, I actually, <laughs> almost all of them, I just, I, I say, you, you got to do something on vacation, right? A little something, right? A little walk on the beach. You're going to check in. You're going to open the app. You're going to do your check-in. You're going to do your... I even will write. I'll load into their schedule, walk on the beach, and I'll give them a time goal. Nice. No matter what it is, I try and keep activity as part of the lifestyle so that it's year-round. No matter what's happening, you are focused on creating sustainability in that. It's a practice. I love it. Michael, thank you for that value. So talking future, what's the future for Forge Online personal training? Where are you going? So what I would really like to do is I'd like to create an environment where Forge is a one-stop shop for folks looking for fitness and nutrition coaching. But more than that, uh, I would like to start to get to the point where I get a registered dietitian on staff. 
Uh, I'd like to get a physical therapist on staff for when we have people who have post-rehabilitation issues, corrective exercise issues, mm-hmm. uh, or, or are uh, done with the physical therapy program and are just kind of like hanging out to dry. Where do they go now? They got to go hire a personal trainer in a gym. That can be pretty cost prohibitive. Delivering it online solves that problem. And I do a little bit of corrective exercise with clients now, but I'd like to take it to the point of it being uh, almost its own unique entity where people can, uh, whether they be uh, in post rehabilitation from an injury, whether they be rehabilitating from a disease, uh, or even athletes who've suffered an injury can come through and, and work with a physical therapist virtually. Um, but I think that those two things combined, having, having a registered dietitian, clinically registered dietitian, and uh, a physical therapist would be very, very useful because it wouldn't be just for a, a segment of, of the client base. All clients would benefit because the content that would be created or the resource that's available. Say, for example, I have a client and uh, they're a vegan who's gluten-free, allergic to soy, lives in Denmark and doesn't like uh, the fruits or vegetables there and can only eat bok choy, you know, whatever it may be. Because you'd be amazed <laughs> for the crazy things that I hear. You can't solve that with a template. No, well, and no, and I don't use any templates for, for meal plans. Uh, I have foods that I prefer that I, I t- typically stick people on, but I don't use the templating. But what I'd love to be able to do is say, you know what? Um, let me go ahead and set you up with our RD and have them take a look at this and, and kind of help you uh, solve this problem. And, and it's all in-house. It's all right there. Anything that you need. Gosh, could you imagine that? Oh, if they, imagine. And nobody's doing that. No. But I think I think the reason nobody's done it is because it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In order to deliver that same level of quality, you've got to build it properly. And, and sometimes that might mean slowly. Yes. And that's the one thing that I know that uh, the, the reason that I'm not so worried about mentioning it here or anywhere else, and, and that, that that's my long-term vision, is because I, I know that I can do it when I have the resources. I know how to do this. I've, I've built right. companies. I've managed large institutions. Um, I've worked with a, a myriad of different kinds of peoples and and, uh, and social and, and economic backgrounds. And my goal is to actually make it to where that Forge is, is really right there and, and has the systems in place to deliver on the promise of our service. So a lot of, lot of stuff in the plans. I'd love, I'd love to be able to execute all of it. But, uh, you know, time, making sure that the, the processes work is more important than just getting it to the market. I refuse to rush it to market. It's going to be done right. Absolutely. And just in order to maintain that quality, like you said, you've done it already. You've done it with several companies before. And so uh, it's, it's going to be no different with Forge Online personal training. So, Michael, we have a fun little game called our top seven favorite things. We have seven cities in Solano County. And so this season, our theme is Unite the Seven. I'm going to ask you seven things in 10 seconds. There's a buzzer. It's a timer. So when you're ready, are you ready? Ready. Michael Parker, owner and founder of Forge Online Personal Training. Top seven favorite things. Here we go. Favorite color? Black. Favorite movie? Lord of the Rings. Favorite book? Any epic fantasy series. Favorite exercise? Deadlifts. Guilty pleasure? Wine. What? Wine. Oh, my. <laughs> favorite food? Uh, pizza. And then your favorite outdoor fitness activity? Hiking. Hiking. There it is. There it is. <laughs> that was awful fun. I'm sorry. I may have messed you up. I thought you said flying. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, this may be a case of I asked the questions too slowly because you were answering the questions so quickly. Hey, the host screws that one up. (laughs) (laughs) Michael, thank you so much for your time. Folks, if you're looking for an online solution, if you're looking for any sort of fitness advice, fitness instruction, 
Michael Parker and Forge Online Personal Training is the place to go. You can find him at forgept.com. That's F-O-R-G-E-P-T.com. He is also on Instagram and on Facebook. Michael, tell the audience where to find you. My handle for all social media is at Forge Fit Coach. F-O-R-G-E Fit, F-I-T, Coach, C O. C-H? <laughs> That'll work. So folks, you can find him on YouTube. You can find him on Instagram. You can find him on Facebook. He's in 12 countries. This is an internationally recognized program, Forge Online Personal Training. Michael, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and your expertise. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. You have just listened to Inspiration to Live Your Best. Now be sure to pass it on by sharing, commenting, and subscribing at SolanoFit.com. Here's what's next. And again, it doesn't have to be an hour at a time. It doesn't have to be two hours at a time. It, It doesn't even have to be a class. Go turn on the phone and walk.